When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stand by. The vacuum tubes are warming up. This is a special live broadcast. Right here on Georgia Radio. 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 Well, Wade, good evening. Are you there? Good evening. Yeah, good evening, Mac. <laughs> I guess it's time I, I, to start the show. <laughs> yes, it is on that brand new equipment. I, I feel special. I've got real radio announcer equipment here. You do. Sound well. well, I realize now yeah. we don't have our, our video cameras on. I couldn't give you the point. That's okay, though. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Why? Why is it not on? I was looking for it. It's yeah. all right. Don't worry about it. We got a lot of people tuning in tonight from all over the place to talk to our guest. Do you want to tell them who's on the phone with you right now? Yeah, and first of all, welcome to to on Georgia Radio. Welcome to our Tuesday night weekly Georgia folk and farm life radio show. And I'm here with Matt, as always. He's the man here at Georgia Radio. And tonight we have a great guest, Billy Blackman. Hello, Billy. Hey, Wade. How you doing? I'm quite well and happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Happy to have everybody join us and happy to have you. And now, anybody that's uh, familiar with Georgia folk and farm life, they know who Billy Blackman is. Uh, we've been blessed with some great writers, uh, photographers, contributors, but Billy is outstanding writer, and uh, he's uh, he's an interesting uh, individual. Now we've never met, and just like so many other people, I've been blessed to get to know through uh, Georgia Folk and Farm Life and, and our Facebook endeavors. There, Billy's one of those. I hope to meet him when when we have a gathering again and and uh, get together there, uh, like we have with others. But Billy, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're a farrier, uh, which, in case someone doesn't know what that is, you're, you shoe horses, right? Right, do horses. I got about 300 horses I take care of, and uh, usually do about eight or ten a day. Let, and, let uh, me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you, Billy. I'm good at that. That's what I do. So I'm going to. When I say right. people that aren't familiar with farriers, it, it's more than shoeing horses. It's taking care of horses in a way that they can walk properly to go through all their, their, uh, activities as horses and mules and whatever. Uh, so that the shoes work and their hoofs are in good shape. And so it's, it's more than just shoeing, right? Right. Right. Those right. Uh, feet continue to grow. And then a foot getting too long, that's usually where the problems start. You know, the ones out West wild horses and all, they're walking 15 to 20 miles every day looking for food and water. So they keep their feet wore off short. And uh, here, you know, on this soft ground and all, there's just nothing to wear them off. So uh, basically that's what we do is try to mimic what would be going on with their feet if they were out west. That reminds me, I listened to old-time radio shows on Sirius XM, and I was listening to an old episode of Gunsmoke the other day. And Matt and and, uh, Chester were tracking some bad guys as usual. And they were trying to decide whether these were uh, Native American Indians, or but they were they were uh, or some local people, 
or these horses have been brought from somewhere else because the tracks were all uh, without shoes. And they made the comment that most people around Dodge City, it being uh, uh, no rock in the area, all you know, pretty much farmland, and uh, Kansas, that part of Kansas, uh, they, a lot of people didn't shoe their horses. So right. shoes are, are for hard surfaces and things that we use uh, such animals for, right? Right, right. Yeah, majority of mine, uh, fact is, all 300 of mine are barefooted. They don't wear any right. shoes. And uh, so it's just a... Uh, so you're just yeah, taking care of the hoofs and keep... Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do it about every yeah. six weeks. Go out there and visit them. Well, uh, I got around, I do, you know, with my little truck and just go. Most of them are backyard horses and, you know, very few barns, I do. So it's just people with horses in their backyard. I'll, I'll show up and I've been doing most of them so long. They don't, usually nobody there. I just do them by myself. And we got, always got secret hiding places where they hide my money. <laughs> and, uh. As long as they so, don't hide it too well, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I know about where I always hid at now. I know all their hiding places. Uh, can be a little dangerous doing horses by yourself. I got kicked in the head one time. I was out there by myself, but uh, luckily I lived through it. Well, I would have a, uh, not many people know this, but I started pre-veterinary medicine uh, college when that's what I was uh, majoring in, to be a veterinarian. And I had a thought at the time, you know, I'd, I'd like to be a small animal vet because those big ones uh, – you know, uh, a horse or a mule or a donkey, uh, they can kick, they can they can kill you. And a, they can do it without yeah. uh, announcing their intentions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's that? I think it was Hemingway who used to write about mules all the time. And he, I'd have to paraphrase him, but he said a mule will work tirelessly for you for 10 years waiting on, one, waiting on that one opportunity to kick you in the head. <laughs> sort of like being married. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> You'd be surprised how much uh, you'd be surprised about how how similar a lot of this stuff is. <laughs> Billy, uh, we've covered the fact that you uh, that uh, you're a farrier, and but you, you've uh, uh, contributed so much with your writing, and you write about. They always say write about what you know, and you write about what you know because that's all you write about is what you know. You you don't delve into uh, you know fantasy or fancy. You write about your experiences and things that happen to you, which is, uh, you have a great well of, uh, and a wealth of knowledge and a deep well to, to, to draw from. And so talk to me about your writing, what, what it means, why, why you like to write, what it means to you. And, and, uh, uh, just talk to us about that because you have some great fans, uh, and I'm one of them, uh, on Georgia folk and farm life. And so talk to us about your writing. Well, I, you know, it, I don't know where it came from. Uh, you know, I just barely got out of high school. And uh, it was a typical high school uh, situation. You know, I had a girlfriend. They thought I was, you know, I was just going to get out and get married and get a job pupwooden, which I didn't get married, but I ended up pupwooden for a long time. And uh, But uh, I started riding a little bit, and uh, I was on the road playing music at the time, and, you know, had a lot of time on my hands. And uh, there was a uh, riding contest that the Tallahassee Democrat did every year for, they said, select five or six community columnists. And uh, to do a little short column, 500 words, once every three weeks. And uh, so I won it the first year. They usually pick all new ones every year, you know, to kind of keep a variety. But I ended up doing it for five years. 
Wow. And, uh, that says a lot uh, about your writing ability. Well, I enjoyed doing it. I had a real good editor over there. and uh, uh, But the uh, owner of a small newspaper in Havana was uh, keeping up with my stuff, too. And uh, like I say, I was on the road playing music at the time, but I was I was trying to trying to get out of it. I you know our kids were about to start school, and uh, and I already figured out I you know I, I like being at home, and uh, so the, the editor uh, offered me a job at Havana, and so I took that and uh, uh, worked there 18 years. I tell folks I was so good that I started actually second from the top. I was just that's how good I was. Like what I don't tell him is there's only two of us there. Two, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he, he, him, and me, and that was it. So I learned how to run a newspaper. We'd take it up to Bainbridge, Georgia, and have it pressed up there at the post search spot every Thursday. And it's a uh, typical, typical small newspaper. But I, you know, I learned a lot, you know, uh, about trying to be as terse as you can because you don't have a lot of room. You got more room on a weekly paper. Uh, to deal with uh, the, to at your disposal than you do on a daily, but I uh, still not a lot of room, and uh, so, and I found out I you know I used to when I was writing as a Democrat and I was on the road I thought I needed a real quiet place to go out there and you know and and, and be under the trees and you know and write you know and shade and do all that and I found out in a newspaper it didn't really I didn't really need that, need that. I mean, everything's hustling and bustling and running around, you know, and 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 uh, all the activity trying to beat a deadline. So I figured I could find out I could ride about anywhere. Didn't really matter. But uh, uh, I just love to ride, and uh, I don't know why. I love to tell tell the stories and all, and uh, it just I don't know. I don't know where it came from. Like I say, I you know, the whole time I was in high school, I never read a book. And, uh, and now I, I'm, you know, I still, well, I don't do as much reading now as I used to because I can't stay awake anymore. I used to do all my reading at night. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I, I, uh, I'm on the road all the time, but you're going between horses. So I got, I listen to audio books. So got about 40 or 50 of them on my telephone. Do you talk but, to your uh, horses? Do you talk to your horses? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You talk to the horses. Yeah. I mean, you got to get along with horses. If you don't, you end up on the ground. Yeah, and uh, what I'm standing on your head. And well, this, the, uh, go, back. Horse. go ahead. No, I was going back up there talking about writing for the paper. It made me think that uh, about editing. A lot of people don't realize when you write, you 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 have to edit. And I've found that I I like to be my own editor. Or you like that? I don't want anybody else editing my work. I I can read back over it and spot what's the, you know, usually where it needs to be. As you use the term terse, it needs tightening up a bit or a phrase needs to be changed or phrasing or word usage. I can spot that after I read it a time or two. Um, do you like to be your own editor or can you, can you have somebody else edit your writing? Um, I, I don't go out searching people to do it. I've, I've had, uh, working on a, a book now, a second book and I got a, proofreader one of my customers is a real good proofreader and i got her doing it. we're trading out uh i'm doing her horses and she's reading my book for me but uh no i all the stuff that uh you know i uh, i submit there and uh it, i do it on my cell phone typing on my cell phone and my phone's got a uh a, a, a speech thing and i'll uh, have it read it back to me and a lot of times you pick up stuff that way if you just sit and listen, well, you know, why the, why the phone is like reading that. it back to you. Yeah. 
I like that. I've never uh, tried that, but I like that. Yeah, you, you, it's a good way to pick up spelling errors, too. <laughs> Little thing, because the phone sometimes, you know, it, it, it just, whatever it's there, it, it says it phonetically. Right. And uh, you pick up on all that stuff. So I, I do that, but... No, and you know, and I I make little silly mistakes. I guess we all do, and uh, and sometimes my wife, when she reads it, she'll go in there and you know point out misspelled words that I missed, and uh, you know, it's a everybody can't be a proofreader. Uh, that's a special special art to that. And it's hard to read some people, and it's actually hard for me to read your own my own stuff too sometimes because you know you see it with your mind. You don't really just get the words. Exactly, and uh, and sound them out one by one the way a proofreader does. I mean, you see it with your mind, and sometimes your mind uh, it makes mistakes, and the difference between what you're seeing in your mind and what's on paper. But uh, Billy, I want to. Uh, root- go ahead. I I want to. We've we've got an open line on tonight, and I want to um, come back to uh, that. But first of all, I want to uh, get the number out. If you, if anybody wants to call in and has a question or a comment or wants. To, to uh, join in t- with Billy tonight and Matt and I, uh, the number is 678-390-8633. And we welcome you to call in, and I hate to interrupt you for that, but uh, Billy, but that's part of radio. When we have an open line, we want, to, we want callers to call in. Do we have any callers, Matt? Well, not yet we don't, but I'm, I'm waiting. I've, listen, I've got to ask Billy a question. Would he? Go ahead. Billy, would you mind telling us about the story that you wrote at Christmas about being out in the barn? I've read that probably five or six times. I just love reading it. I mean, it, it to me, it just it really takes you back and slows you down. And I've had so many moments uh, like that, standing around, thanking God for being where I'm at when I'm out there on our place. And I think anybody that reads that can relate to that, just that that special time out there near the barn. Yeah, I, uh, I spent a lot of time at the barn. <laughs> uh, it was a great place to be out there. But, you know, I, I was actually out there that night, and, and, you know, most stuff I write about, I actually do it. And, you know, and pretty accurate as far as, you know, if I say it's, you know, 25 steps out to the barn, you know, it's 25 steps out of the barn and all. But, uh I really had to read over now to remember much about it. Uh, I know it was just a, uh, I'd had to read it again. I mean, I've written so much since then. Everything kind of run together after a while. I think it's great. Well, it was a good, it was, did you read it, Wade? I I just, I I I love all of Billy's stuff. Well, you got to go back and read it. You got to go back and read it. I just, it was really well done, Billy. I will do that. Um, Billy, do you write when you, you know, when I write, and I'm not a published author and I'm not a writer, uh, but I do love writing. And I have, fortunately, a lot of people that like to read what I write, and that's a blessing. But I have people ask me, you know, how long does it take you to come up with your stories and, and how long? I don't come up with a story. I sit down. I don't know what my story is going to be about. When I sit down, it, it just flows. It, I type, I type as fast as I can, and that's and I write the story. It writes itself. I just do the typing, and I've written so many stories. Now there's a lot of stories. I'll go back and read, and I'm like, "Who wrote this?" Well, I did. I know yeah. I did, but I don't remember writing it. And I'm sometimes yeah. I'm impressed, like, "Wow, I can't believe I actually wrote that. That's pretty good." Sometimes I'm like, "Not so good," but 
do you have that experience? Do you write? Does it? Do you think? I, I never come up with a, uh, a story and it's oh I've got to write once in a while I've done that. There are exceptions, but generally, I I don't know what my story is going to be until I sit down and type it out. Do you? How does that work with you? Yeah, well, about the same way. I mean, I you know I, you know got I do one Sunday morning. I have no idea right now what what it'll be. Uh, Sometimes I'll, you know, when I'm listening to other riders, uh, when I'm going down the road, they'll say something to other trigger a thought. And uh, um, sometimes I, sometimes I come up with a beginning, or you know, one line beginning or an ending or something like that, and I will try to form a story around that. Uh, I got a several hundred. Every time I think of something or, or think of a line or something like that, I put it in my phone, and I got several hundred. Uh, you know, short paragraphs, one-liners, and stuff like that. And uh, when I think about it, but uh, no, I, I don't. I have no idea what I'm gonna write about half the time. Well, my writing on Georgia Folk and Farm Life is, is two different types. When I say my writing on stories, I'm referring to my fiction short stories, uh, and I, I do that. That's the love that I. That's the love of my life is is my fiction short stories. Yeah. Uh, I would love to publish a couple of books of volumes of them, and I hope that'll work out. I've dragged my feet on it, haven't done it yet, but but that is a separate thing from the th- the post I do daily on Georgia Folk and Farm Life. And a lot of people don't aren't even aware that I write fiction short stories. When but the daily things I, I I've got I make lists of topics to write about. My my friend Randy Oliver send me topics that he knows I haven't written on, and other people suggest things. Uh, but. I, those are separate things. They're, you know, and I write humor. I write serious things, uh, uh, satire and, and humor. But what I really enjoy are my my stories, uh, where a fiction story. That's what I really love best. Uh, some are based on true stories. Based on, of course, we change those. And and you've probably you you experience that a lot. You can't write just, a lot of times. As it happened, wouldn't be good reading for anybody. You have to change right. it enough to make it a good story. But it's the genesis, the gem, the core, the foundation there of a good story really happened. And if you go back through my stories and ask me, did you just come up with this completely, out, you know, as they all say, out of whole cloth? I'd say yes on this one, this one, this one. But this one, no, it actually here's what that story was based on. This actually happened. And it's far different from the story. I only have one fiction short story that's pretty much based on an actual happening, and I won't say which one that is. And I pretty much just wrote it as it happened when I was a little boy. But uh, that that's the way uh, uh, you get the nugget, and then you go with it, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, most of mine, uh, every, well, probably 90% of mine, is, is like you say, is based on something that actually happened. You just got to, you know, do a little changing here and there and uh, make it a little more readable and come up with a beginning and an end to it. Uh, but they all they all happened. Uh, I, I, to me, I've tried some fiction stuff before. I'm have, I have a tough time with that. I'd love to do it. Uh, so it's, it's so uh, complicated to build the characters. You know, most of the characters I write about were actually, you know, living people. Right. And uh, you know, I wrote about you know that old house and me and my wife this past week, and 
Now, me and my wife did. We, you know, we first got married, and there were no window panes in, in the in the house, and and we actually did used to sit there on Saturday night and watch our neighbors fight. Uh, I love that. I read drunk. that. Yeah, I read that one. Yeah. I love I mean, that. All that. All that is. <laughs> yeah, all that is true. Yeah, it's all true, and uh, so it, they're they're all based mostly all and when everything really happened. Like I say, you you know you you add this and add that a little bit and. If I think of a good line or something like that, I'll, I'll stick that in there. And then, you know, it actually didn't happen, but I'll, I'll stick it in there anyway. And the snakes, you know, that actually happened. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about that. And Daddy falling through the bathtub, bathroom floor. Yeah. and uh, But, uh, yeah, I remember I them snakes. I don't, best- I don't know what it is. Go ahead. Billy, when, when a, a good writer uh, such as yourself, uh, when when we read your stories, and like your daddy falling, the bathtub falling through the floor, we picture that in our mind. We get a good image of that. Now it's different for every you know every reader has their own version of the story in their mind, right? Right. right. But that's what a good reader, a writer does, brings the reader into the story, and they imagine it as it's unfolding. Uh, a good right. a bad writer, you won't you won't really do that. You just read through it to get through it, but. You have to stop and build the story in your mind as you read your stories, and I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's, I was listening to something the other night, and, and uh, when it was how to uh, write, uh, build characters and all one of those videos on YouTube, and they were talking about that, how you need to leave, you don't explain every little thing. You paint the picture for the reader, but, you know, you got to let them actually figure out some certain things. And uh, and that keeps them engaged. And I like to say it's something different for each reader. They can all they can all see it in their mind, but it's a little different for each one of them. Exactly. Matt, we have any callers? I think everybody's just kind of enamored listening right now. No, I haven't. Yeah. I, do give, let's give the number out any here. Any messages? Well, let's see. Six seven eight three nine zero eighty six thirty three. There's a whole bunch of people tuned in tonight. I'm just looking Wonderful. at the numbers. Let me see here. I've got. Uh, any messages? I'm looking. I got to mash the right button. I, you know, get yeah, stage, mash the right button. Get stage fright here, looking in here. No, but there, there, there. There's about there's about three requests that have come in tonight. But uh, no, no questions yet for Billy. I I have one, Billy. When when we were when I was going through everything, it said that you you were once a rail man. Right. Can you talk to us about your time on the rail and and on the trains? Yeah, I worked about I didn't ride and get to ride the train. Uh, I worked out on the line, um, track maintenance, building the railroad, and then repairing the railroad and all like that. It was uh, AN Railroad, Appalachia, Northern. It went from Port St. Joe to Chattahoochee, short line, 90, 92 miles, I think, what it is. But we did almost everything by hand. Uh, we had some equipment, but most of the time, the equipment was somewhere else doing something. You know, we'd uh, drive spikes by hand and... Uh, Carrying the rail and uh, uh, we used to line. We had a, you know, we used to have to line that rail. You know, if it gets a little kink in it, uh, sometimes the uh, train bouncing to the left and right of knock it out of alignment. Uh, it was, uh, I think, uh, eight of us on that section crew, and uh, we had an old black man who would stand out there and sing to us, and uh, the foreman would be down. Uh, sighting down the rail to find out where the crook place was, and he would motion for us to go 
they called a quarter head or half back or something like that, and we would uh, do that. And, you know, half of us would line up, had a little big heavy lining bars, steel bars. We'd put them up onto the track if it needed to go one, you know, whichever way it needed to go. And half of them would get on the inside rail and half of them get on the outside rail. And the old man would sing and we would tap the lining bars in time with the music. And then he would give us a signal and we would, still in time with the music, we would all pull at the same time. Because if you didn't pull at the same time, you didn't move the railroad. And uh, I, I always figured that's where the word, maybe the term rapping came from. So he'd rap the rail. And he got all these old songs he'd sing to us. I wish now I had recorded him, but I didn't. He was probably 80 years old then. And uh, But I enjoyed railroad work. And I mean, I'd probably still be doing it. Uh, but I quit the railroad to go on the road playing music in 1977. And uh, so that was, a, that was a main dream of mine, to get on, music, get on the road and play music. Did that on six nights a week for... Uh, probably be 12, 14 years. Started out in North Carolina, up there on a Holiday Inn circuit doing disco music. We all had little ruffle shirts and, you know, <laughs> all the same colors. And yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we'd get up there and play in North Carolina at that time. It wasn't dry, but you couldn't, you, you uh, let me see, you brought set up, you brought, you, you brought your own setups to the bar and, uh, and they they had to they had the whiskey there. I think the way it was, you, you had to go to the state store and buy their little them little bottles, little bitty bottles, and they'd mix it up for you there. And uh, so it's a different different laws. I think it's all changed by now. But we yeah we were doing disco music, BGs, and all that stuff. And and then uh, we were actually a country band who we were all talented enough. We could do anything, whatever the work called for to do we even played jazz and dinner music all that some in some gigs but uh every now and then we'd do a country song and everybody talk about you know you know how well we did country music and i said well actually we're a country band we're just playing disco because that's where the work is right now but we ended up a friend of ours bought a lounge a country lounge in tallahassee and we uh switched over to country and started playing there and that was about the time the urban cowboy came out so all the bars were just packed we played at one in Orlando uh, down there for a long time, the Sullivan's Trailway Lounge. I mean, it would uh, hold 3,000 people. I mean, there'd be thousands, not maybe not a thousand, but hundreds of them out on the dance floor at the same time. Everybody, you know, doing a two-step and dancing into, everybody going in the same direction and doing the Cotton Eye Joe and all that. So the bars were full, full, full. We have that in common. I didn't play music at the bar, so but I was I was a honky tonk disc jockey back in Texas, and we had the bull from Urban Cowboy. Yeah, in our place. Yeah, <laughs> when Gillies burnt down, Daryl went down and bought it. But uh, yeah, diff- different different uh, different places. Billy, you've done so much that could be classified uh, as romantic in a way. The rail and the music, and even cowboying, and 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 doing what you're doing now with riding. Was it romantic at the time or just a whole lot of hard work, as most of that stuff sounds like? Well, yeah, the theory work is certainly hard work. I mean, <laughs> right. we, see them, you know, we, we see these young ones. I forget now what it is. The, uh, 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 you know, when guys get out of ferry or school, I think they've done studies where, uh, you know, a couple of years later, 
there's only a real small percentage of them that's still in business because I think they don't really know what all it entails. So it's, it's a lot of hard work, especially down south here in the summertime. I mean, uh, if you can make it down here through the summer, you can make it any, anywhere through the summer. Uh, but, you know, it's on the road playing music. You know, that, that, that wasn't, you know, we drive all night long sometimes, and uh, it's just not all that romantic either. Uh, we would, we played a job one time with Fair and Young, oh, and yeah. he brought his road band in. We were, uh, we were in Orlando at a big bar down there, and uh, he came in for a special show. And, uh, and those guys with him, you know, got off the bus. They, you know, I do realize they had a bath in no time and put, those, put all those jumpsuits on and all that. And, and, uh, and a couple of them told us that they'd give anything to trade places with us. Uh, you know, they, it's called, because that bus, bus touring is not what it's cracked up to be either. Uh, you know, you just see, forget what town in. We, we, <laughs> you talking, you know, hear these stories about people forgetting where they are. We played on a holiday in circuit. In, uh, North Carolina, they were all, there were several of them all the way from the coast, all the way to the mountains, uh, owned by the same company. And they had the, uh, the same curtains and every one of them, they had the same bed spreads and they were all located next to the interstate. So sometimes we actually woke up and, and didn't know where in the world we were because everything looked the same. Everything sounded the same. Uh, that's amazing. So, Billy. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back. You mentioned Farron Young. That made me think. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't remember Farron Young. He was a big, pretty big star in the day, wasn't he? He was yeah. a big. You yeah. know You know who he started out with, though, Wade? Uh, uh, he started out with know. Webb Pierce. Pierce, yeah. yeah. Okay. And Floyd well, Kramer my, was his piano player with Webb Pierce back in the day. Well, I want to tell this story. <laughs> Back in the early 70s in Bell Auditorium in Augusta, Webb Pierce and Farron Young were there. And my parents, my mom and my daddy, went to see Farron Young. And, and uh, he came on stage uh, inebriated. And yeah. it, didn't go, it didn't go well. And somebody in the audience told him, said something, heckled him. And he told him, he said, wait a minute, I think I hear your mama barking. And it turned into a <laughs> it turned into a melee, a free fall, and a fight. Yeah. And there was never any music that night. Nobody got their money back. They just all left to get because it turned into a a, a free fall. But <laughs> I always remember I was just, he, he was he, he was remember, pretty well drunk. Boy, I remember Mom and Daddy headed to Augusta with such bright hopes of hearing Farron Young and Webb Pierce. It's going to be a great show at the Bell Auditorium. And they came back quite disappointed and act. But I, I, <laughs> they were never fans of Farron Young after that. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty well drunk. He was pretty well drunk that night. He had our uh, drummer in the package store part of it. And I walked in there, and he had his, he'd laid hands on the drummer's head and made the drummer hold his head up like he was praying for it. And uh, so he was, but I, you know, we, the first, the very first time my wife and I, well, we, our first date, I took her, I was playing in a little bar in Bluntstown, Florida, took her up there with us, with me. And, uh, before it was over with, there wasn't but about four or five, six couples there. They all knew one another, but anyway, they got to fussing about something and every one of them ended up out in the ditch fighting <laughs> uh, women, men, husbands, wives, and everything. <laughs> 
And then, then they all kind of kissed and made up and left and went to another bar somewhere. I told my wife, I said, come on, let's go out here in this ditch. So we found some, a wallet or something out there. So you, you can't find a wallet. We didn't find a wallet, but we found a brand new pair of red high heel shoes. Some lady had kicked off and they were the perfect size for my wife. That's hilarious. So she ended up getting her pair, pair of uh, red high heel shoes out of the deal. But I, used, she, I used to do, yeah, get all my laundry money. From I'd get all my laundry money by walking around all the pool tables before the lights came on. I'd put on a long song, yeah. and he, I'd get, you know, $10, $15 in a week, enough to do all the laundry and the coin yeah. up. <laughs> Wade, we got to have Billy Orlando. Black on, you know? Yeah, we well, I think that. I just said that big bar in Orlando down there at the end of the night when everybody's gone, you see all the bouncers with the lights walking around looking at the floor. That's right. You get all kind of money there sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, good stuff. Billy, what do you want to leave us at? We've... We're just about out of time here. Uh, what? Give us, give us something to end on here, Billy. Give us another story. Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, my daddy was a holiness preacher. Assembly of God. Yeah, that's the one. I'm familiar with that. Probably are about yeah. all the hooping and hollering and all that. Oh yeah. My wife was a uh, Southern Baptist, and uh, you know, in, in her church, you know, that's how they told. That's how they could tell when the. Uh, when it was time to quit on Sunday morning because you could hear the deacon's stomach growling. It was so quiet in there, and that would let the preacher know it was time to quit. But anyway, Daddy was preaching at a church of God, and we were, and Susan had never been, my wife had never been to a holiness church before. So I took her that night, and she was. they were hooping and hollering and, you know, bobby pins flying all through the air and people falling out on the floor, and Daddy was up there screaming and hollering, and we were all standing up. Well, about third row back, and uh, uh, and Susan was just nervous. She just kept getting closer and closer. And, you know, one lady uh, fell out on the floor, and you know, she said, "You know, anybody gonna help her up?" And I said, "No, they're they're fine. You know, this, this, this happens all the time. You know." And Daddy, he was just everybody was hollering and just dancing around, and she was just scared to death. What we didn't know was about four pews behind us, there was a little boy, probably about four years old, crawling up under the pews working his way to the front. And that place had got into a fevered pitch just about the time he got up under our pew. And he reached up there and grabbed my wife by the ankle with his hand. And she started screaming and running and dancing in place and throwing her hands. And <laughs> she people, made started, put, people, started, people started putting her hands on her head. They thought she was getting slain in the spirit there. <laughs> she said, no, it's not bad. That little boy, he just touched my ankle down there. I was, I was hoping they'd start singing, singing, you know, glory, 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 right. somebody touch me. Right. <laughs> well, there you go, Wade. <laughs> I've got a good hold of uh, church story to tell sometime uh, for another night. There yeah. you go. Well, I'll play the music, Wade, before before we run out of time here. But, uh, All right. Billy, will you come back on the show? Yeah, I'd love to. We got, we got to have you I'd back on. To. That'd be a lot of fun to have you Amen. Amen, Amen to, to that, that one. Wade, don't, don't go, don't go talking about that story you wrote now. I know I can feel it. I can feel it on your breath. Come the the spirit is telling me to warn you. Do not, I don't have the insurance for that story. So there you go. You'll have to read it. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Wade, take us out of here. All right. Thanks, Billy. Uh, Thanks, Matt. And thanks for everybody that's listening tonight. And of course you can, if, 
it, hear this on podcast, you want to hear it again, tell your friends to tune in, go to the podcast, listen to the station at 24-7, great music, uh, classic country music on georgiaradio.com. Join us on Facebook, Georgia Folk and Farm Life, and, and, and thank you for joining us on Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio. God bless and thank you. You can catch the Georgia Folk and Farm Live show Tuesday nights live at 7.30. You can call in and be a part of the fun if you want to. And if not, you can just sit back and listen, just like a lot of you did tonight. Glad to have you here. The podcast will be up in just a few more minutes. If you're just now joining us and wanted to hear the first part, you can catch the podcast here in just a few minutes. Tomorrow morning, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, January the 12th, Paul Chappelle will be joining me on another edition of Neighbor to Neighbor, plus your calls and comments and all of your requests right here on georgiaradio.com, your home for good company and great country. Glad to have you here with us. All the tree. Georgia Radio, everywhere you go.